So I'm going to attempt to record from here, which would make it easier because then I don't have to like move it from the microphone thing to the computer. But anyway, we're going to finish the Book of Romans today. Yeah, after how many months? I know, I, I am. I finished up my notes and things, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to miss you, Roman. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're headed. As long as you're still around, I'm headed forward. We're headed forward. Corinthians is, is good. Corinthians. Well, you know, you're almost done reading Corinthians, at least First Corinthians. But it's such a great book. Are you guys going to Second Corinthians right away? Okay, then we're just going to do Corinthians. Are you going to do Corinthians 1.5? That's the question. Because, you know, the in between the, the first letter to the Corinthians and the second letter to the Corinthians, there was a letter that Paul wrote and sent, and that they got, but that we don't have. Catholic. Well, that's, I mean, that, that would be, you know. No, the Catholics don't even have it. Nobody's got it. I'm just kidding. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. The truth is that he actually, he kind of apologizes for a couple things in his second letter. Um, like, okay, I was pretty mean to you in my last letter. I'm sorry about that, but you know, it needed to be dealt with. So it may be that Paul like totally went in the flesh and was just like, you idiot Corinthians. Can't believe you stupid people. You're all going to hell. I just disown you right now. You never know. We don't know what was in that letter. But, um. <laughs> it's probably like, oh, shoot, I forgot to tell you. I'm also sending eight loaves of bread. Yeah. Paul wrote it. Paul wrote it before he had his coffee that morning, and then later he was like, "Ah, you know, I was so grumpy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap." So there's an. All right, so let's pray. I feel too comfortable. I think I need to sit on the edge of my chair. <laughs> I should be in like a smoking jacket. And you know what I mean? Just like, do you feel like your dad in that chair? That's the chair your dad always. I I did feel a little weird sitting there. I was like, is he? <laughs> then it's got these little rips in it. I was like, <laughs> once you saw the rips, you were fine with it. Yeah, the chair's not holy. It's just a chair. Let's pray, Father. Oh, we love you. And. Uh, we look forward to. I love your word, Lord. Just, just even as, even as I was reading through this again this morning and just diving in again, it is such a privilege to get to study your word and to be instructed by you, Holy Spirit. I am so grateful for you, Father. I thank you for the gift that the Holy Spirit is to us. Just help us to stay out of the way, out of His way. To open up our ears completely and hear him speak to us, bring back to us, reveal to us the things that Jesus died to give us. We love you. There's a verse, and I can't remember where it is, but Jesus, I was praying that came to mind, talks about, says that the Holy Spirit, that his job is to reveal to us what we've been given for free. And... Um, um, you know, Jesus Jesus died to give us so many things. And the Holy Spirit's, one of his jobs is to just unpack 
those gift like you know those pieces of the gospel for us and give them to us yeah we Romans 14 is where we are going to begin we are going to go all the way through the end of 16 today so yeah but but <clears throat> so when I'm having trouble understanding something in scripture or when there's some kind of when there's some gospel idea that I just don't have a grip on or if there's something that I know here but I just there's no there's no emotional reality of it in my heart the Holy Spirit is in our lives for lots of reasons, but one of the primary reasons that he has been given to us is to is to reveal that stuff on a level that's going to change us, to, to take the things that the Bible teaches and make them real to us internally. Um, I talked about this a lot in this class, um, about how it's it's... If you aren't um, being changed, you know, if, if your behavior hasn't changed, then you don't really believe that thing. Does that make sense? If you, you know, if, if, if you don't have it as an emotional reality in here that, that changes the way that you respond to, you know, to, to things. And this, this is the whole gamut of Christian reality. If, there's, if there is not a, um, a real change in the, in, in, the, in the base value system of who you are, uh, then you don't actually believe it yet. And, and we need to chase after that thing. And there's a whole lot of stuff in Scripture that I'm like, man, I don't think I believe that yet, and I really want to. And I just invite the Holy Spirit to take that, you know, show me what's standing in the way, dig deep, Holy Spirit, uproot anything, that any lie that I believe more than I believe this truth. And, and plant the word of God in the soil of my heart in such a way that there's fruit that comes from it. That's what Christianity is all about. This is this journey that we're on. Um, for some weird reason, nobody understands God likes process. He likes to take time and walk us through a journey of going from A to B. Because God could just like bap you on the head and make you exactly like Jesus right now he totally is capable and there's a lot of teaching out there right now that says he already did that he already made you just like jesus that's okay then why am i not just like jesus is the question and the the disparity that they're seeing because the word of god says yeah you've been given everything you need for life and godliness that is absolutely true jesus did everything it takes to make you just like him on the cross and you've already received it all but that doesn't mean you're manifesting it all and the difference between the two is number one, knowledge. What do you know? Okay, so like, do you know that you have this? Which is why we study the Word of God, because it's the Word of God that teaches us what we've been given. And number two, do you believe it? Because it's only by faith that this stuff gets manifested out of us. Only when we actually believe the truth will we see it erupt out of who we are. And we have a life full of lies that we've been fed by the world around us and some by the church even, which really, that sucks, but it's true. Some by well-meaning teachers like me, okay, who, whether we meant, whether they meant to lie to you or not, they did because they didn't have a full understanding of that themselves. And, and we've been filled up with all of this 
wrong stuff. And the Holy Spirit, by the word and by, you know, has to correct that and uproot that. Because anything that we believe will bear fruit. Jesus talked all the time about, you know, the, the word of God is like the, you know, the parable of the sower. And he's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the sower and the word is the seed and I'm throwing it out there. And the truth is that it's not just God's word that acts like a seed. It's, it's, it's all reality, all understandings and ideas. You know, if you ever saw the movie Inception, it talks about how an idea is really dangerous because it changes the whole reality of who you are. They're absolutely right. That's, that's true. An idea that you fundamentally believe on a, on a level deeper than just, yes, I believe that is true. But an idea that you believe in the, in the depths of you, it shifts who you are and it makes you someone different. And there's fruit that comes from those ideas, whether they be true ideas or false ideas, true fruit comes from those ideas. Now, the fa falsehood is going to bear bad fruit. It's going to bear unchristlike behavior, unchristlike thoughts and, and attitudes. Um, that's what falsehood will bear in you, but truth will bear Christ-like reality. It will, you will be more like Jesus because of what you believe. And the basis of our behavior problems, the basis of all of, of all of our issues, is way more about what we believe than what we choose. Does that make sense to everyone? That doesn't take away the fact that you do choose. But when your beliefs are right, your choices will be right. And we have to understand that. That has nothing to do with Romans 14, 15, and 16. I just felt that coming out. So um, uh, if, if, if there's a sin or an issue or an uh, maybe it's just a thought pattern that you can't get away from. It's like, man, I know this isn't true, but I can't help feeling this way. Your issue is a belief issue. And you need to be attacking it at the root. Not don't attack the fruit, attack the root. Okay. You can all day long, you know, <clears throat> this is one of the things I tell my youth leaders all the time. Okay. I'm not looking for behavior modification. I'm looking for changed hearts. Okay. So if you walk up to a kid who's being obnoxious, you tell them, hey, stop being obnoxious or I'm going to knock you upside the head. Okay. They might stop being obnoxious. Might stop being obnoxious. Okay. But you haven't changed them. All you've done is change their behavior. They are still the same person. And that sickness that's on the inside of them is going to manifest somewhere else in some other way. You haven't helped them. We have to deal with where it's coming from. What's the root of this issue? Why is she so angry all the time? Well, I'll tell you why. There's a root issue. That angry behavior and that attitude that everybody sees and everybody feels and everybody's like, gross, okay? That is not their problem. The problem's deeper, and when and we have to find that and deal with that and help them work to that, you know, foundational situation and deal with this root that's in that's that's in deep. When that's been dealt with. The anger stuff will deal with itself. It'll be gone. You guys ever see Batman Begins? I'm, I'm, 
I'm I'm a, I'm Chris Nolan movies today. I don't know why with Inception, Batman. Um, <clears throat> no, um, you know, there's the scene there where where he's training to become part of the League of Shadows, and and he falls in the ice water, and he's going like this, you know, and he's like, now rub your chest, your arms will take care of themselves. So that's the truth, because hypothermia happens in here, not out here. If you warm your core, your arms will be warm because that's where you can forge your heat. Okay, it's the same thing with with these realities of Scripture. If we deal with the root, with the lies we've believed rather than the truth, then our behaviors will change automatically. We don't even have to work at it; they just will. So be watching for that. All right. Romans 14. Maybe we won't get through all three chapters. But we're done with Romans today, whether I get through it all or not. Okay, uh, Romans. <laughs> this is a continuation of Paul's exhortation to love. Remember, in the last two chapters, um, really three chapters, he's been teaching people, okay, you've got to love one another, and this what it, this is what it looks like. And he, this is a continuation of that. He makes... A turn here to begin to talk about the Jew-Gentile question, which we've been dealing with all the way through the book of Romans. Okay, All the way through Romans, from the beginning, he has been talking to a church that has a multiple personality disorder. Okay, We've got half Jews and half Gentiles. There are two worldviews that clash with each other, but that are trying to do Christianity together because they both love Jesus. But one of them is a group of Jews, and one of them is a group of Gentiles, and so they approach Jesus from entirely different directions, and they have stuff outside of this core message of the gospel that, that they're going to clash with, okay? This is like putting together an Assembly of God church and a vineyard church. We're going to have, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, if you know what I'm talking about, how many have ever been to like a vineyard church or... Okay, never mind. Okay, <clears throat> it's a charismatic. It's 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 a charismatic church, and they're totally, they um the assemblies of God as a denomination came out of a Methodist holiness background. Okay, so back in the you know even not 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 even so very long ago, and even still to today, for women to wear makeup was like, you know, for women to wear pants was like, ooh, you know, for women to cut their hair was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. And there were still people, I remember getting yelled at for playing cards in, inside the church when I was a kid. Okay, going to see movies, like, oh, that's a little touchy. Okay, so that we're only one generation one generation away from that. Okay, one generation. <laughs> what? Dancing, even dancing to this day. Like to this if you day. get married in this church, you can't have dance, and you do your reception in the gym, there's no dancing. There's no alcohol allowed either, so that's no, another thing. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, Unity Church, they'll let you dance it up all day. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <coughs> but alcohol is another thing, okay? Alcohol is another thing. For, okay, my, my sister goes to a church in Colorado that one of the guys' Bible studies happens at a pub, and they all have a beer and talk about Jesus. Okay, that's what they do. The pastor, everybody, a beer. Some of them will light up a cigar. Okay, that's what they do. And, and, and they talk about Jesus there in the in the bar, and it's a great time. And there's actually been people there in the bar, like, just kind of sit down and be like, all right, talk to me about what this Jesus thing, you know. So, and, and you know, they're like, hey, this is who we are. And they have, they, they don't feel any kind of guilt or any kind of, about alcohol or about 
even the smoking issue, because it's to them, this isn't a biblical issue. It's it's not a sin. Okay? To for an assembly of God church, okay, <laughs> the assembly of God requires that its ministers do not drink alcohol in the United States. That's not true overseas, by the way. In the United States, okay, as an Assemblies of God minister, I have signed on the dotted line and said, I will not drink alcohol. Is it a sin to drink alcohol? No, it's not. Drunkenness is a sin. That's very clear from Scripture. Is it a sin to have a drink? Not necessarily. Why, why do we, why is this an issue for us culturally? Exactly, which is what we're going to be talking about in chapter 15 today. Okay. Um, all right. That's, that's exactly why. And what, what the Assemblies of God would say to, the, to its pastors is, we're not saying this is a sin issue, and we're not saying you're going to have a problem with it. But you will have people in your church who do. And for their sake, that's my wife. For their sake, okay, um, we ask that you don't drink so that you can sit with someone who's dealing with alcoholism and say, hey, I don't drink either. Let's do this together. And I respect that. And I honor that, which is why I'm a part of the Assembly of God and why I won't drink, even when I go out with those guys at my sister's church in Colorado. I'll have a Pepsi with my friends. <laughs> with no rum in it. We're not making a highball. No. Alright. No, with um that text was from my wife and it, my text came up on my computer too. And and my my daughter has peed twice in the potty today and she's her panties are still there. So that's Woohoo! That's great. Uh, she's three. She just turned three. And, and, yes. She's the cutest kid ever in my opinion. But um uh that's huge because yesterday we tried it. She failed miserably, and today she's already two for two, so woohoo. <clears throat> All right, so actually we're going to move into this right now. Um, so he makes it, he's going to talk about, the reason I bring that up is because that's very like the Jew and Gentile question, okay? In Christ, it is no longer a sin for those Jewish believers to eat pork and to do things that aren't kosher, okay? That's been, that's gone. That part of the law is gone. Okay, thank Jesus for bacon, right? Okay, they are okay, and they can start doing that now. But the Apostle Paul, but the and the Gentiles are like, yeah, pork it up, baby, let's do it. And the Jews are like, oh, I, I know it's okay or whatever, but I'm just not comfortable with it. Okay, I feel guilty about it. So the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you guys need to love each other enough to be to to be careful about these kind of issues. Another issue was a lot of the meat, before it was sold, would be offered up to an idol. Well, the Jewish people would never eat it. Now, the Apostle Paul says, it's not really a big deal. It's, it's a block of wood that's been carved into an ugly shape. Okay, It's really not, you can eat it, it's fine. It's not going to hurt you. But the Jewish people are saying, no, I will not eat anything that's been sacrificed to idols because of their cultural background. This isn't a Jesus or sin issue. This is just, a, I can't do that. The Apostle Paul is is gonna is gonna dive into this issue and say, guys, love one another enough to help each other out 
and don't make it about, well, it's not an issue, so I'm going to eat what I want. No, it's, that's a selfish, unloving attitude. And you need to leave that behind. So he says, as to the one who's weak in faith, okay, that's those that still feel they must perform the law in order to earn God's favor. Okay, they know, I know Jesus has, has abolished the law and I don't have to do all that kosher stuff anymore. I know that, but it's just, I know that here, but I don't know it here yet. And it's really hard for me when I see so-and-so walking by with, you know, some, yeah, well, lamb they were fine with. It's, it was, it was, yeah, you know, pork chops, you know, when we have our, when we have our big church potlucks, which is the way they did communion. This is really cool. The, every time they met together, they would eat. Okay. And the way they did communion back in the, in the, in the day, well, they met together almost every day too. Come on. Yeah. And they would all bring, they would all bring food to the communal gathering. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that gathering, they would do the communion ceremony. That's what they, they called them love feasts, okay? And they would do that. And that's what they did at least once a week, sometimes more than that, most of the time on Sundays. And that, that was, and they would sing songs and then somebody would get up and either read one of Paul's letters or read it from the Old Testament or just, or, or, you know, just expound on the teachings of Jesus, depending on who was around, okay? So he says, <coughs> welcome them, but do not quarrel with them over opinions. In other words, Love them where they are and in what they can do. Do not make your freedom an issue for them. Okay. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Look, I know, and I, you and I both know, that it is not a sin for us to eat pork. We both know that. But it really makes, it really makes Olivia uncomfortable here. Okay. She's, she's got a problem with that. She's just come out of the Jewish faith. She believes in Jesus, but it's just really hard for her. So why don't we just agree to have turkey or something else instead? You know, and eventually maybe she'll come along, but just to make her comfortable, just to help her to feel a part of this family, let's not act that way. Does this make sense? Okay. And the Apostle Paul is not saying that she's holier than you. In fact, he refers to her as the one who's weak in faith. All right? But in order to make her welcome, and in order to show her that she's loved, we're going to take the high road and put down our own stuff and minister to her by being nice about it. And not fighting about it. You know you can eat pork whenever you want. You know Jesus doesn't care. Okay? We'll let the Holy Spirit... Talk to her about that, okay? We will let the Holy Spirit and the smell of bacon cure her of that issue, okay? <laughs> All right, but we are not going to confront her with her issue, okay? Do not make your freedom an issue for them. He speaks also to the one who's adhering to a stricter rule of conduct because they believe it's God's desire for them to do so. They are not allowed, so she's not allowed to judge us. Okay, just because we eat pork, she's not allowed to say, well, you know, I'm closer to God because I'm eating kosher. I recycle, so Jesus likes me better. <laughs> there, are, there are churches that are really big into the whole, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's whole denominations 
that that's like becoming like the eleventh commandment: "Thou shalt recycle." I'm not kidding. It's it is a huge deal for them. And let's think about it for a minute. Did God not give us the earth to take care of? I'm just saying. I I don't think they're that far off. I think they make way more of it than they should, but. Think for just a minute. What is our job as human beings? Exactly. To be good stewards of the earth, which is our the resource God's given to us to take care of. Okay, so can we honestly say, Psh, I can throw this stuff away, it doesn't matter. Are we really okay with, you know, miles of landfill? And poisonous chemicals in the environment? Are we really okay with all of that stuff, I mean, shouldn't we be thinking about that at least a little bit? Don't you think it pleases God a little bit? I think it does. But but people, I think people take it way out. It's like everybody drives their car because it's this big. Hey, if I had if I if I had the money to buy a Chevy Volt, I would do it. <laughs> Just because gas prices are so stinking high. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> they're an electric car. You don't have to use gas. They're gorgeous, but they're like twenty thousand dollars, so I don't have the money for that. No, more than that, like sixty, actually. I like the ones that run on gas and electric. Well, the Volt does that too. If you run out of gas, you can put gas in it, and when the battery goes down, the engine turns on to charge. No, I know. I I nannied for a family who had a car like that, but it's you know what's really weird is it's silent. So yes. if you forget, I left it on like all night long one time. Because it's silent and it's like yeah, it doesn't I make any to noise turn at all. It off. The Chevy Volt. Yeah, yeah. Is that amazing or what? Yeah. All right. So. <clears throat> so the next verse he says he says look, dude, would you would you judge the servant of another? Okay. So here we, let's 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 put. Okay, this is back in the day where, you know, anybody that had any money would have a servant. Okay, how many of you watch Downton Abbey at all? Love Downton Abbey. So excited about the new, the new, uh, the new series. This, this, this just started. Have you been watching it? No, because we're on a fast, we're on a media fast. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's so great. Don't tell me anything. I won't tell you a thing. Anyway, um. Nobody's died yet. Uh, I'm, not gonna, oh. I'm not going to say anything else. They already killed off like three people They last did. Season. In season three, they killed off three people. Just like, <laughs> gone. Anyway, so we're, it's, it's okay. It's a show. But in the show, okay, each person has like, you know, a servant that is their kind of, you know, person helps them dress, like everything. Okay. And it, would it be okay for me? Say you're, say you are an employer. Okay. And I don't even, I don't work at the place where you work. You're the manager at McDonald's, okay? And you've got people working under you, all right? And I and 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 I'm the manager of Wendy's, okay? And I got people working under me and and I come and I come across the thing and I walk back into your kitchen and I start yelling at your employee about how they're cooking the burgers. Are you okay? This as a manager of McDonald's, are you okay with this? No. And the apostle Paul is saying, Do, "Would you judge the servant of another? Isn't it isn't are this person is is responsible to do what this, what their manager told them to do. And you don't get to walk in off the street and tell them they're doing it wrong. 
So why do you think you can go to another Christian and tell them, well, you, you obviously don't love Jesus because you aren't their master. I have to tell my kids all the time, you are not your brother's dad. I am his dad. You are his brother. Stop telling him what to do. You know, like, I just could be like, and quit that. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with him. It's one thing if he's like bugging him, but like, you know, he's doing something for me. And, and Isaac's like, Aiden, you're doing it wrong. And I'd be like, Isaac, I'm his father. Aiden, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. I'm, and she still doesn't know it. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So if, you, if you're listening to this recording, I love you. Um, Uh, I'm gonna get hit for that. I think. Oh, um, too. No. Um, Extra silence study. So, okay, you don't you don't get to you don't get to tell. Okay, it's one thing to walk up to somebody and say, "Hey, I'm worried about you because I see this going on in your life, and I love you. I just want to bring it to your attention and." You know, if you see some kind of destructive behavior or some kind of sinful attitude or whatever, and you approach them in love out of concern and say, hey, I love you. By the way, that's okay. But turning to the person next to you going, oh my gosh, did you see what she did? Oh my God, I'm so worried about her. We should pray for her. And we should like ask everybody else to pray for her too. Okay, no, that's called gossip and that's a sin. So shut up. If you see somebody in their stuff, okay, go to them, pray for them, Help them by all means. Go directly to them. Have the guts to walk across the room and say, "I love you," and I want, and I see this, and I'm not any better than you, but I see this going on, and I'm worried about you. You know, love people, but do not judge them, and especially do not talk to about them to somebody else. And if they decide. And there are obviously some issues that go beyond the level of, and like, if it's illegal, or if it's, you know, okay, illegal against the law. Okay. <laughs> or, you know, it's something that. Well, like, what if it's only like against the law? Like, oh, we're gonna like, keep you in school. That's not really against the law. It's completely against the law. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke. But anyway, joke. we're just going to keep moving. Okay. If your brother believes that something's unclean, we're not supposed to tempt them with that unclean thing. Okay? Let's talk about media. All right? I'm looking at you. Because you're a Downton Abbey fan. Oh, and there is a gay guy in that show. There is, and he kisses me. I always just like turn my eyes during that part. I can't believe you watched that filth. <laughs> you watch it too. I do, I do. Just kidding. <laughs> he's but a sophisticated gay guy, so it's okay. let's. Well, and he's he hides it well. Um, <laughs> so that makes it all fine. As long as he hides it well, and he's afraid. He's of also like the villain out. of the show. So as long as the gay guy is the bad guy. Yeah. If he's, if, I'm just kidding. This is totally. I'm deleting all of this from the recording. Um, no. 
You get like, no, quoted talk, like on let's, national television. Let's, <laughs> Josh Hawkins says, as long as the gay guy's the bad guy, I'm okay. Oh, jeez. No one tweet that right oh. now. <laughs> no. Can you imagine that conversation with your good old senior pastor dad? <laughs> one time in a Sunday school class, I um, this is before he was elected, okay? I said... I said, I'm telling you right now, if Barack Obama gets elected, he's the Antichrist. Okay. Oh I, said, my God. I was kidding. <laughs> and everybody in the in the in everybody in the class knew that it was a joke. And the, the reason I said it is because he had been on Oprah and I was talking about how Oprah like preaches she she no, she's not the devil, but she preaches the spirit of this age. She is one of the primary voices of the spirit of this age. I'm not gonna get caught up in 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 eschatology today. But she is a, a powerful voice of the spirit of this age and she will love the antichrist when he comes on the scene if she's still alive she will do everything she can to promote him i'm telling you this is true she will start up her show again just to give this guy a boost i'm not kidding um but uh, and he was on there and 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 you know it was during the this is before this is when everybody thought hillary clinton was going to be the nominee okay and I said, there was this guy on Oprah, and he, he's running for president. I'm telling you, if he gets elected, he's the Antichrist. And I was totally kidding. And But I got I got a phone call from a parent that was just like, I can't believe, how dare you say something like that? And I was just like, I'm sorry. It was a joke. I think your kid knew it was a joke, and he was probably trying to tell that joke to you, and you got pretty mad about it. Well, it's not funny. It's like, you know what? You're right. Okay? We won't tell you. Don't worry. The issue... Oh, it's out there. I mean, everybody knows I think that Obama is the Antichrist. That's no, not true. I meant I about the gay part. Oh, okay. That thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it under wraps. No. no. Let's talk about media because this is one of the things that the church is in a big uproar about. Okay. Should you be allowed to go see a movie with such and such in it or with something else in it? Okay. If you are honestly an okay between you and the Lord about something that somebody else would say, there's no way I can go see that. Like cussing, okay? You know, we all have we all are gonna stand before God ourselves over what over the choices that we've made. Okay, and the things we've allowed ourselves to see and the things that we've exalted and the things that we've said are good. Okay. If you can honestly say I feel no pain from the Holy Spirit about this at all. Then, all right. But do not tell anybody else to go see it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then there are obviously, there are things out there that are obviously off limits to people that, that love the Lord. Like, just no question at all about whether or not they're off limits. Okay, But when it's something that's questionable, might be on the line that might be edgy okay now you guys are probably under a certain rule aren't you as master's commission students about what you can and cannot okay if you have said like for instance if you have said i won't go see rated r movies etc okay if you've signed a contract like you're going to be a youth leader or whatever now my youth leaders don't have to say that i I want them to go before God about everything that they put, that they watch, that they give their attention to. Because rated R movies, okay, 
there are PG movies that you should not go see. Okay. I'm not going to draw the line where some guy who doesn't even love the Lord has got it and say, well, they did all right. No, I want you to pray and to honestly think about everything that you watch. Is this something that I would be comfortable sitting next to Jesus watching? Well, I mean, think about that. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He watches everything you watch. He reads everything you read. Okay? Now, I screw up sometimes, too. I just watched this show recently, which I'm, I'm like, man, I've been apologizing to the Lord a lot since I watched it. It's called American Horror Story. Do not watch it. It's terrible. Horrible. Sick, twisted, horrible. But I watched it, and I was like, and... <laughs> I didn't watch the second one. Yeah. I didn't watch the second one. Yeah. I watched it, and 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 like ever since I watched it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, Lord, why did I even put my eyes on that? Lord, forgive me. Um, you know, it was it was I shouldn't have I shouldn't have watched it, and I realized that now. And if I had honestly sat, if I had before I clicked on that on Netflix, if I had said, Lord, should I watch this or not? The Lord would have said no, and I wouldn't have watched it. And I wouldn't have these images in my head that I do now. Now there wasn't any, there wasn't nudity, there wasn't, you know, there was a, there, you know, but it, they were, it was just messed up. It was dark, it was demonic, it was twisted, and 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 overly sexual. Um, but I should have talked to the Lord about it, and I shouldn't have watched it. And that's where we have to come from. We have to come from the place that says. I belong to Jesus, and and Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Where I go, He goes. Would He go there? Would He watch this? And don't look at the choices that other people make and say, "Well, it's okay to watch that." You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to abstain from. When I was a kid, my mom would let me watch He-Man, Monsters of the Universe. That was one time. Okay. Or Smurfs. Smurfs was yeah. from the devil. Okay. Um, I was not allowed to watch the Smurfs. Why? What's the Power Rangers. I had no, like, my mom literally, Power I watched didn't Chucky exist when, when I was, I was like, four years old. I'm just saying, so, like, Smurfs, I didn't have my, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, they were little blue people that lived in mushrooms, okay? There was only one female, an entire tribe of males. I think there, there, was, a, <clears throat> there was a lot of things that my parents were going, eh, that a little kid would not have noticed. But, anyway, and, and there was a lot of magic and witchcraft and stuff. Which, they let me watch Disney movies, which have equal amounts of witchcraft and all of that. It's 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 and and like this is it's like Harry Potter. I I adore the Harry Potter films. I read all the books multiple times because I really enjoy them. There's a lot of people that I don't like because because the there's because it's about, about the Bible is like one where they're it's like asking Satan to come into their heart. You don't have to say me, sweetheart. I love those books. Okay, <laughs> and, but but they've drawn this line and they feel guilty watching it. And what this portion of scripture says is that if you are violating one conscience, you're sinning. And so whether or not, if the issue is where are you okay between you and God on this? And if you are, 
that doesn't mean that the person next to you is going to be. And so don't flaunt your freedom to them. Let them approach this because here's the issue with somebody that's coming out of witchcraft that wants to stay completely away from any hint or whiff of it probably shouldn't watch things like that that are going to draw them back. Does that make sense? Okay. And that may not be an issue for you. It's not an issue for me. It might not be an issue for you. But it will be for them. And for us to flaunt our freedom in their faces is unloving. It's not kind. And it's not Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different issues. For me, watching a violent film is not a problem. But there are people that have violent tendencies that they war against on a regular basis. That to watch something that's going to kick off you know, when you watch something violent, it kicks off, especially in gentlemen, it kicks off testosterone in your body. And there are people that are already dealing with keeping their temper under control, that watching a film that has violence in it is going to throw them into a testosterone fit, and they're going to be violent out of that. So they have to say no to things that you don't have to say no to. point is be gentle with them. Be loving with them. And think about them before you think about yourself. Alright. By the way, that's verse 23. If you do something which violates your conscience, you're sinning. It's huge. We've got... Let me, let me, let me encourage you. Don't do things that are go that's going to numb your conscience. Be mindful of your conscience. The Holy Spirit whispers to us about things that, you know, on the surface it seems really harmless and this isn't an issue for me, and okay. But the truth is, we can rationalize just about anything, right? I mean, we're smart people, especially. I have this problem that if I think long enough about almost anything, I can convince myself there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there are certain things like cheating on my wife, but even the even. <laughs> Even that stuff, if you talk to if you, somebody that's been caught cheating is going to start talking to you about, well, my wife leaves me emotionally unsatisfied and blah, 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 blah. Okay, and, 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 and it means nothing to me. And it, 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 this happens with the porn issue all the time with guys. Well, it's not really a person. I'm not having sex with them. Blah, blah, blah. There's all of these arguments they've built up in their own heads to make this okay for them. Don't do that. Don't argue with your conscience. There's no reason to do something that violates your conscience. None. Zero. Is it really worth it? Just say no. Be careful with that because you may, you may be closing your ears to the Holy Spirit and when you do that, it makes it really hard to hear him the next time. If you make it a habit 
of closing your ears to the voice of the Spirit over and over and over again, hardening your heart to the move of the Spirit over and over and over again. Just pick it up. It's okay. <laughs> it's right. You okay, Sam? <laughs> he dropped. He's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I didn't drop that. <laughs> It's totally cool. We're in a totally informal setting. And I know I'm talking about something that's pretty heavy right now, but it's okay. If you make a habit of hardening your heart to the voice of the Spirit, it just becomes harder and harder and harder to hear Him. Which is why, honestly, there are some kids in the church that I want to walk up to and go, just don't, please don't hear that. Not because their behavior is a problem for me, but because every sermon they sit under and close off their ears to the voice of the Spirit, it's going to make it ten times harder for them to hear him the next time. And the next time. And the next time. And there's people that would say, well, they, at least they're in church. No, I think that's even more dangerous because we are held responsible for every time the Holy Spirit just pricks our conscience and we say, eh. I'm going to do it anyway. Be careful. The Bible all the time, Apostle Paul said, you know, uh, in, in Peter, it says, do not quench the Spirit. I remember a story one time. Do you know who Catherine Kuhlman is? Yes? No? She was a TV evangelist lady from like the 60s and 70s, okay? And she had uh, just an incredible ministry for the Holy Spirit. People got healed all the time. And just in amazing ways. And I read this book um, by Benny Hinn. Could, he kind of came out of her from one of her ministry. And uh, there was this this moment in one of the services where she like turned around and pointed at some man and was just like fiery eyed and was just like, don't you dare quench the spirit. He's the only thing I have. And then she just went on with the with the service. And, but it really rocked Benny watching that going, oh my, what? And it, this is what was going on. She was operating. It was so important to her that she not, that, that she be open to hear everything the Holy Spirit was doing in the moment. That anybody that was shutting the Holy Spirit down in her presence was offensive to her. Because it's like, don't you dare leave the building now because God's doing stuff in here and you're shutting him down and that's not cool. The fact that she was sensitive enough to know that this guy across the room was like hardening his heart to the spirit. I mean, that's crazy stuff, man. That's master level. Totally. Master level. I'm t I heard somebody use that phrase the other day and I was like, that is my phrase now. I am going to use that phrase. That is master level. I love it. Anyway, I'm totally going to use it. You're Feel free to borrow it because I stole it myself. <laughs> All right. So. Be, be, that is master level. And everybody's going to think it's referring to master's commission, and they're going to be like, that's master's level. Yeah, you can't do that. Sorry, that's master's level. They're, they're so arrogant. All right. So be really careful about shutting down the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So say you're in a service, 
and voicemails moving, and you feel a twinge, like I need to respond somehow, but it's embarrassing. Okay. The preaching was on something that you don't really necessarily want to be. You don't want people thinking, why did they get out of here? This is one of the reasons I hardly do ever do altar calls. The Holy Spirit is totally capable of working on people where they are. And, and people will not respond to the Holy Spirit. They will shut down. Oh, I'm not going up there today. Yeah, I hear, I hear that, but I'm not going up there. So a lot of times, I'll just be like, right where you are, just close your eyes and just respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. Because the last thing I want to do is have somebody say, if, if responding to the Holy Spirit, what he's saying to me right now requires me walking down there, I won't do it. I, I know that there's preachers that'll say, but you have to have an act of faith. To da -da -da. I get that. And there are moments where if the Holy Spirit's leading me to do that, I will do it. But I do not. The last thing I want to do is to tempt somebody to shut down the working of the Holy Spirit in their heart and life. And so a lot of times I don't. I don't call people forward. I just say, right where you are, just respond to the Holy Spirit. Because that's what I want. I want people responding to the Holy Spirit. I don't care how many people come down to an altar. That's not important to me. What's important to me is that you are hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, and you're saying yes in your own heart. We need to be careful before the Lord that we have a peace in our own hearts about our behavior, about our thoughts, our feelings. If you feel even a twinge about something, even if you know it's not a sin, don't do it. Um, this is this uh, 1423 is where it says, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. This verse has become so key for me. Romans 14.23 Anything, 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 anything. And this is the, 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 uh, the context. Is he's talking about eating things that, kosher, that, that are not kosher. Okay, that's the context. He's saying, look, if you eat the thing that's not kosher, but you don't do that out of faith, your eating is a sin. If you choose not to eat the thing that's kosher or the thing that's not kosher, you're obeying the law, but you don't obey the law out of faith, then you're still sinning. Does this make sense? Yeah, so there are things that you will counsel me on. Yeah. I know some Christians that do that. Right. I'm, I'm cool with somebody who, like, they're like, I don't agree with that, but they can convince me of it. Yes. If they're violating their own conscience, they're sinning. Because they're shutting down the voice of the Holy Spirit and they're not acting on the things of faith. If you drink a beer because you know it's not wrong, but you've got bad feelings. But if you don't drink, even though you know it's okay and you're honestly okay with it, but you just like, you know, does this make sense? Either way, you could be sinning. The point is, are you acting out of faith? So even, let's talk about, if you go on a missions trip because somebody guilted you into it, but the Holy Spirit didn't tell you to go, that's a sin. Now you're going to be like, no, wait a minute. No, I'm serious. Okay, but what is that? how does that work when you're under authority, though? Because it's like, like say, like I don't feel like this huge call, like, I need to go to Mexico. Right. But like if we as a master's but team did go you to feel, Mexico. Did you feel a call to be part of this master's team? Yes. Okay, and okay. guess what? <laughs> I was about to say, because that can't be a sin for me to go to Mexico on a no. mission trip. And most of the time it wouldn't be. But what I'm saying is, 
You've got to get with God on this stuff, and you've got to act out of faith. Even if it's something that should never, you should, you would think, well, that's not, a, there's no way that's a sin. If you're not acting out of a place of faith, it's a sin. Okay? It is. But it's also freeing, okay? Because if, because if you are obeying some cultural norm that you think, okay, oh, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to wear makeup. So I'm not going to. But there's, but that's not coming from faith either. Does this make sense? Okay, I'm going to refrain from doing that, out of fear, and not out of faith. And that's a sin too. Even though everybody around you is going to say, "Oh, look how holy she is," if that's your motive, you're sinning. You see, it isn't about. It's not about a list of rules. It's so not about a list of rules. It's about love. And it's about faith. And it's about your relationship with Jesus and walking in a place of honesty before him. We do stuff in church services all the time because that's just the way we do it. But is that what God wants? Every single one of us needs to be getting with the Lord face to face and just walking in step with Him. When we're doing that, we are safe because we're just walking, we're walking with Him. We're staying in that place of faith. I'm with Jesus, and that's that's where all this comes from. Now the Bible tells us lots of things. If you're acting like this, you are not in step with Jesus. And he's going to talk about that here in a few minutes. Things like drunkenness and orgies and, you know, uh, and homosexuality. And, it's, you know, all these things are not walking with Jesus. Just FYI. The Apostle Paul said, look, if you're walking in those and you're thinking you're walking with Jesus, you are confused. But outside these things that are obvious, glaring error, there's a whole lot of gray. A ton. And the question isn't, is that right or is it wrong? The question is, where's your heart? Okay? Is that coming from love for the people around you? Is that coming from a place of faith? Because if it's not, it's a sin. Chapter 15. Okay, the law of love is to run at a pace that the weak can keep up. Do not live so as to please yourself. Okay? I love theology. Yeah. Uh, no, that was just my. That was that's that's not the Bible. That's uh, that's 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 the Josh. New International Josh version. Um, <laughs> no, chapter fifteen, verse one. Okay. What he's saying is that the law of love is to run at a pace that the weak can keep up. Okay. You're walking with other people. Walk at a pace that everybody can walk. Right? And if that means that you are going to refrain from doing things that you know aren't sinful, but that somebody else would have a problem with, then that's fine. Refrain from them. It's okay. Don't feel bad about that. You're serving them. Think about others before you think about yourself. Do not live so as to please yourself, he says. This isn't about you. 
Most of the church looks down on those who cannot live up to the standards of their church culture. But the apostle says, let them set the tone. No. No. Well, I, I suppose the question is: question is, where's your heart? Yeah, that's fine. When they're not around. Right. Yeah. No, that's not even fake. You know, there's guys that I will hang out with in the public arena that I know that they drink, but they don't drink when they're with me. And I didn't ask them to do that. But they don't feel comfortable drinking around me. I'm okay with that. I don't care. And then there's guys that will, and that's fine. You know what I mean? It doesn't bug me either way. It really doesn't. But there will be some people that it would. At the same time, if you, you know, if there's somebody that's just brand new saved and they're talking to you about Jesus and they're cussing in the midst of talking to you about Jesus. I remember I prayed for a guy one time. He, God just laid him out on the floor, just blam. And he's like, oh, on the ground, just crying his eyeballs out. And God's just doing awesome stuff. And he gets up and he's like, holy bleep, what the bleep was that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it was just Jesus. I'm not going to get offended by his language. I'm not going to be like, now you've totally negated everything God just did because you said an unclean word. Like, give me a break, okay? We've got to we've got to be careful on both ways, okay? It's okay. They will learn eventually that you know that language isn't necessarily appropriate, especially for a church setting, okay? They'll get it. They will, you know, and if there will come a time when I will lovingly be able to say, it's probably not a good idea to cuss at church. Right? But don't bring this gigantic cage slamming down on them. Now that you're saved, I have a few things to talk to you about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> He's going to do something. I'm like, oh, should I stop him? <laughs> don't know what's about to happen. I promise I'll never hit you. Um, all right, let's, verse five. I love this prayer. May the God of endurance and encouragement, this is the ESV, by the way, and this is actual scripture. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a prayer. What a prayer. He's praying that God would teach them to be so unified and love each other so much that his glory just explodes off of them. When people see that, when people look, oh my goodness, look at how they work, look how they love each other, look how they defer to each other, look, look how they take care of each other. 
That's unbelievable. Wouldn't it be great for the world to say that about the church? To look at the church and say, you know, nobody gossips about each other in that building. There's no gossip going on. Wouldn't it be amazing for them to say, you know what, nobody in that building has any needs because as soon as they do, somebody else is meeting that need. Wouldn't it be great? Is that what they say right now? Damn it. It's not. Wouldn't it be great? And that's the prayer the Apostle Paul is praying over the church in Rome. May the God of endurance and encouragement. He's the God of endurance and encouragement. Think about those two words. First of all, endurance. He will endure for so long for you. He will put up with your junk because he loves you. Isn't that beautiful? He's the God of endurance. He's in this for the long haul. He will endure you because he adores you. He will hang on. He's the God of endurance, and he's the God of encouragement. This is what love looks like. Love is not running with, you know, imagine a bunch of people running in a pack, okay? All right? And, you know, love isn't the guy at the front that's way out ahead of everybody else going, come on, you idiots, can't you keep up with me? That is not, you know, and then when they stumble, you're like, screw this, and you keep running. That's not, that's not love. Love is even though I could be running way faster out far ahead of you, I'm running next to you going, you can do this. You can do it. And when they stumble, you stop and pick them up. And you run with them. That's encouragement. That's endurance. That's what it looks like. Uh, the, I love this. I looked at the, the Greek for the word endurance. It says, patient, cheerful waiting. It is so hard to stay patient and to stay cheerful in the midst of that patience. Ugh. And the word encouragement means exhortation and comfort. Cheering them on and helping them when they fall. That's what we're supposed to be doing for one another. And when we do, when we do, verse 6, together with one voice, we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When that's what we look like, the glory of God shines from us. Because that's what he's done. He has endurance and encouragement. When we pick that up, the world sees what God's like, and it's beautiful. Father, give us these in the name of Jesus, that we might live in harmony. I love the word harmony. You know what harmony is, everybody? Harmony is different notes that resonate together to make a pleasing sound. Not the same note. That's unison. Different notes. Does this make sense? <laughs> I'm so glad I could fix that for you. Different notes that resonate together in a pleasant way. They're not the same notes. That harmony glorifies God. 
Um, I went to a conference several weeks ago, and um, one of the speakers spoke on community. And it's actually out of that thing that um, uh, I'm taking everything we're going to do at Winter Retreat this year, which you guys are going to be there with us. Um, we are? Yes. We that? are going to spend, it's three days at a campground north of here. And um, no, it's it's too cold for camp, but it is. Um, but it, it's a just you know it's it's anyway. And we're gonna do the um, we're gonna spend those um, those three days together as a youth group up there, and we're gonna be talking about community, and we're gonna be talking about family, and we're gonna be talking about the 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 theme God has given me is the tribe, and this is what we're gonna be talking about. We're going to be talking about this. And what what this lady said, they've been living in community for six years together. Imagine this for six years. Okay, you can, you can, All day, every day for six years. Okay? In North Carolina, and they, they're, they're a worship band, but they're also just this, large, this larger community. Okay? And they've been doing this together, and they said this is hard, 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 hard. This is not easy. This is hard. But it's there's there's something truly beautiful. Because living in community, what she said was community is about learning to be loved as you are, even in your mess. You know, it's, a, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's easy to love people in their mess. But it, for me, it's easier to love you in your mess than it is to allow you to see me in my mess. To be vulnerable enough to let you see me in my mess and love me there and help me there, that's hard. But that's community. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. To be open enough, to be vulnerable enough, to rely on each other. To be open enough, to be vulnerable enough, to let people in. To trust people even though they are current with you. It's huge. But there, in that place, is where the glory of God shines. The lady at the thing, her name's Melissa Helzer. She's nuts. She's awesome. She, she said, tension makes beautiful music. If you ever take all the tension out of a guitar string and try and play it, nothing will happen. But when you ramp up the tension, that's when it sound, That's when a beautiful sound can come out. They said, and that's she said that's what is that's what community does. It creates harmony by build by creating tension. Good stuff, right? <laughs> I love you guys. Here's where he switches gears back to again talk to them about the Jew and Gentile question. And he says this, Jesus became a servant to the Jews. Third time I taught a three D time. 
I'm celebrating every single one because if I don't have to buy diapers anymore, do you know how much money money that puts back in my budget? I mean, that's like 20 bucks a week at least. I know, see? (laughs) It's going to be beautiful. Jesus became a servant of the Jews. Babe, leave me alone. <laughs> no, she bought her a bath and a face mask. Which one is it? Um, the iPad. I'm busy. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> Jesus became a servant of the Jews to show God's truthfulness in his promises and a servant to the Gentiles to show God's great mercy. Without the Jews, we would not see the faithfulness of God Without the Gentiles, we would not see the truthfulness of God. I want you to see this real quick. Every single one of you is a different religion in this room. Religion has a different story. And what the Apostle Paul was saying to this about the Jews and Gentiles, he was illustrating this idea of harmony. He was saying, look, the Jewish people, let's think about their history. For the last 4,000 years, God has set up the Jewish people as his people. He's given them promises. He's brought them, he's brought prophets to them to speak the truth to them. He has been telling them about his plan. He's been, and out of them, he brings the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Jesus became a servant to them. To show them all of the promises God has made to you are the truth. And we get to 2 Corinthians, one of my favorite verses of all. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and it says this. It says, all of God's promises are yes and amen. Yes in Christ, but the amen resides in us. And I think that's that's a whole teaching right there that we will get into someday. But it's huge. Okay? Understand, God spent thousands of years promising the Jewish people, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. These are the things I promise you that I'm going to do. And Jesus erupts on the scene as the fulfillment of those promises. And if he hadn't spent years telling them Jesus was coming and then brought Jesus, we would never know that God was a promise-keeping God. Right? But now we have the Gentiles who never knew God, who haven't had anything to do with God for all of these thousands of years, who have been away from God, who know nothing of him. And in this, in Jesus, he is keeping the promises that he's made to the Jews for generations. And he's reaching out to the Gentile people. Without the Gentiles, we would never know that God is a promise-keeping God. Do you see? God's not okay with us just knowing he's a promise-keeping he also wants us to know that he's a merciful God. And everything that he does, the whole way that human civilization has existed and been born out and <coughs> all of history truly is his story. Okay? We've got to get this through our thick skulls that the, the history of humankind is about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about God. And God has been, through the generations, displaying the reality of who he is to us. Now, 
I want you to look around at your friends in this room. Because none of you is here on accident. And God wants to use every single person in this room to show you something about himself that you could not learn by yourself. And you need to value them because God is using that person in your life to teach you something that he couldn't, that you, unless you had that person in your life, you would never learn it. And I want you to be about the business of finding out what is it that God's trying to teach me through you. Because as you begin to see that, you will value them more. And you will love them more. They're not just that annoying person that always spends too long in the shower or whatever it is. They're the person that's teaching me about being patient. Do you see? And now enlarge this out to the entire body of Christ because everyone you encounter is a gift from God. Teaching you something beautiful, amazing, and unbelievable and unforgettable about yourself. And if we dismiss or devalue any one of those people, we have dismissed and devalued the lesson and the beauty that God wanted to show us through that person. We are robbing ourselves of another view of glory. Is everybody okay? We have five minutes to do the last verse, the last chapter. And it won't be that hard because most of it is a list of greetings. Okay? The first half of the chapter is greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so. But there's the things I want to just bring to your attention. First of all, the Apostle Paul obviously knows and values these people, and that's why he's mentioning them in a letter. And because of their service to him and to the church in Rome, their names are written in the book that every Christian will read for the next thousands and thousands of years. That's pretty awesome. You know, if, I, if, if I'm one of them and I'm in heaven, I'm going to go, look, I'm in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Phoebe? <laughs> I'm Phoebe. That's just the only name I remember. <laughs> it also shows this, that everywhere the gospel goes, it creates a family. I love that. Look at what the gospel did in the in the first church there in Jerusalem. When the Holy Ghost hit, bang, and they grab hold of the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved in one day, and God's adding to their number every day. And they're 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 living in holy communism. <laughs> it's great. They're like they're meeting each other's needs in a powerful way. They're selling their inheritance to give to people who need something. That's unbelievable. You have no idea what a big deal it was for you to sell your land to help somebody else. That is just off the charts good. That'd be like putting your house up on a, a it's like it'd be like mortgaging mortgaging your house that you've already paid for, so that you can pay for my neighbor's kids college exactly I think I think the way we teach tithe is wimpy and terrible because what the Bible says we owe God everything 10% the psh. 
10% is not enough. I think that's wimpy. See, what, what we don't understand is we've, we've gone, we've left the law behind, and that, in, that includes the tithe. We left it behind. It's gone. Now, the tithe is now a principle, okay, that we give towards one specific reality in the church, and that is the upkeep of the church and the, the care and the feeding of the, those that minister to us, okay? Ten percent of our income should go to that purpose, and that's and when you write tithe on the envelope, that's what it goes to. It goes to the upkeep of the grounds and to pay the pastors. That's what it goes to. Their tithe goes to that, okay. And that's the principle that ten percent goes to that. But if you look in the Old Testament, they didn't pay ten percent; they paid about thirty. Ten percent of this, ten percent of this, and ten percent of this. It was actually about thirty percent that they gave. But the other 20% went to different stuff. One of those 10% was just kind of put away so that they could all have a party at the end of the year. It's true. <laughs> Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Can you imagine saving 10% of your salary all year long just so you can celebrate Christmas? Exactly, right? Okay, that's what they did. That's totally what they did. One of the tithes, there were three tithes, and one of the tithes was for the fellowship offering. And what they would do is when it came time to do their fellowship offering, they would take that 10% that they had been saving all through the year, and they would go to the temple, and they would have a big feast. And they would invite the whole family and their neighbors and friends and the priest, and there would be this holy party before the Lord, and that's what they did. You cannot read the Old Testament and not see that God is a party animal. He is. He is. God is constantly saying, let's have a feast. When this happens, have a feast. When that happens, have a feast. I want seven feasts through the year. There were only two fast days. There were seven feast days. One of them, one of them lasted for eight days. How do we practice these? Animals? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> We should be feasting on the church every day. Woohoo! It's feast time. God was all about celebration. He loved celebration, and he knew the human need for celebration. We need celebration. We need it. We need to have moments where we're like, this is, life is good. God is great. He's kept his promises again this year. Yeah, God, you're awesome. Let's eat a lot. <laughs> God was God loved it. God loved it. God was the first person in the history of anything to give them one day a week where they were not allowed to work. Everybody else in every other culture worked every day, day and night. That's all they ever did. The Jewish people come along and God says, I want you to take one day every seven days and rest and do nothing. And not only are you not allowed to work, but your servants aren't allowed to work and your animals aren't allowed to work. Don't do the dishes. You're not allowed. Don't cook your meals. You're not allowed. Yet they had to cook everything before the Sabbath. No, it means one day a week, don't do your dishes. Every other day of the week, do the dishes. 
Don't mow the lawn on Sundays. Don't mow the lawn. Don't, no work, none, zero, no work. Enjoy each other's family. Have fun. Yeah. They did what they always did. They took the law and made it an excuse to beat people down. There's a Jewish company that makes electronics that get around like the rules of the Sabbath, like, oh, you can't wash in the washing machine. The Jewish people have been doing this for decades, okay? It's hilarious. For, for, for generations and generations. Okay, do you want to know? Every seventh year, they were supposed to not plant crops that year. Okay? That was the law. Every seven years, you take one year and you let the ground rest. Now, we know scientifically now that that just is a good idea just to keep the ground fertile. Yeah, we do crop rotation, etc., because soil gets used up. Okay, God knew that, and so He put in this cycle. He said every seven years. But you know what they did? Well, I'm not going to plant on it, but I, I'll let I'll let a Philistine or somebody from a tribe around here that doesn't have the Sabbath. I'll rent my land to them for that year. I'm not planning on it. Exactly. Did you? Let's continue. <laughs> All right. The gospel creates a family. That's what it does. The book of Psalms says that God puts the lonely in a family, and he does. He's good at that. Okay, so that's why. I also want you to notice how many women are on this list. Just about half of them are women. There is a teaching out there right now that's quite, It's it's got a lot of people behind it. And said that women should not be in leadership in the church. That is not the pattern of the New Testament church. It's just not. When he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, there is a reason why Priscilla is first. And it's because she was the vocal of the pair. And she would teach and she would lead. And that's who she was. The first person that he lists is Phoebe, the elder, he calls her. Which means she was a pastor. In the history of the Assemblies of God, some of the most awesome people in our history were women. This church, First Assembly of God, was started by a woman. Okay, so when somebody starts talking to you about women shouldn't be pastors, da-da-da-da-da, they don't know what to talk about. They haven't done the research, not really. Now, there are things in the Bible where the Apostle Paul talks about, I don't give women, a woman a char charge over a man. And there are, there are, we need to think about that and we need to pray about what that looks like. Okay? But that does not mean women should not be in ministry or that they shouldn't be pastoring. All right, let's continue. Um, he says... Uh, verse 17 through 19, he, he basically tells them, don't let anybody come in here, come into your church and tell you you're not saved. Okay, it, Over and over again, Paul planted a church and this group of people would come that were called the Judaizers and they would convince the people that Paul had just gotten saved that you're not actually saved because you're not Jewish yet. 
So you need to get circumcised. You need to start eating kosher. Da 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 da. I know Paul didn't tell you that, but you know he just didn't want to lay too heavy a trip on you before, you know, you really got saved. But now you need to know this is true. And the Apostle Paul was constantly going, no. In fact, at one point, yeah, I don't remember which letter it was, but at one point Paul was like, these people. It's in Galatians. He said, these these guys that are telling you, gentlemen, that you need to be circumcised in order to follow Christ. I wish they would just go the whole way and cut the whole thing off, because they're they're fleeing from Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The Apostle Paul didn't mince words. Okay. He says to them in verse 19, your obedience is known to all, so I rejoice over you. What he's telling them is, you are saved. Don't let anybody come in here and tell you something else. That there's something you still have to do. You don't. You are in Christ. Believe it. It's true. He says, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So just keep seeking God and, and you know, stay away from all that junky stuff that's going to destroy you. And when you do that, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Do you guys, anybody remember this this horrible song yes. from back in the oh, Romans 16, 19 says, you guys know that song? Come on, everybody. Be excellent. In what is good, be innocent of evil, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Okay, there. Yeah, you've never heard that song? Oh yeah, old time, old goody, good, good. No, no, well, oldie but not goody. It's uh, <clears throat> but they, they're they're you know they're quoting this verse. Okay, you're be okay. He says, be wise about what is good, be innocent about what is evil. So seek good and let evil have no hold on you. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Understand, he's still talking about those Judaizers. And this is what he's saying. If you stay pursuing God, the God of peace, okay, these Judaizers are going to come along and they're going to say, you know, you're not really saved. And they're going to mess with your conscience. You don't need Jesus. You don't need to be saved. You need to turn to the scriptures. This is something else. Okay? <laughs> and the, the, Apostle Paul is say, the Apostle Paul is saying, you keep seeking after God with everything that you have, and the God of peace will crush Satan. What does the word Satan mean? It means accuser. Accuser. Yeah. That's the, he is the enemy. He's the adversary. But the name Satan, literally, that name means accuser. And he's saying, when you stay in the things of God, the God of peace will shut the mouth of the accuser and crush him under your feet. Satan will not be allowed to rise up and accuse you anymore. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. Please always remember that Satan is the accuser because he doesn't just accuse you. He accuses God to you and he accuses your brothers and sisters <laughs> Christ to you. Whenever you hear this accusing voice, you know she said that because she hates you. You know she said that because she thinks she's better than you. You know that he said that because. You know that he did that because. Whose voice is that? That's the voice of the accuser. You don't listen to me. I scared the crap out of my kids one time because my kids are constantly going, Isaac did this, Aiden did this, Isaac did this. And I said, boys, do you know what the word Satan means? <laughs> and they were like, what? I said, it means accuser. Do you know what you're doing to your brother? What? You're accusing him. So who do you sound more like, Jesus or the devil? And they were like, 
sound like the devil. <laughs> but that's right. <laughs> you sound more like Satan than you do like Jesus. Now, I want you to say something uplifting and encouraging about the devil. I want you to think about it. When you start talking about somebody else, who do you sound more like, Jesus or Satan? I love this, though, because I love the Apostle Paul. is so funny to me because verse 20, he's like, grace and peace to you all. And he's like, oh, yeah, and Timothy says hi. And, you know, see, they didn't have a lot of, of paper. Paper was really expensive. And so when you screwed up, you just kept going. So he had already written in Grace and Peace be to y'all, but he's not going to cross it out because he's getting to the end of the thing. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just love that. that just makes me... No, he didn't. And you know that because right here, the next line says, and Tertius, who wrote this letter, also says hi to you. He's not saying that he's the author he of the letter. Just added that at the end. He was. Well, I, I always wondered about like, that too. He's like, okay, you done? He's like, he's, he's like hey, hey, I wrote this. I want you to know. <laughs> That's right. Here we go. Hey, if Phoebe can have her name in the Bible, I can have mine. <laughs> you guys know Monty Python at all? You know, and I always think about this when I see this. Because, you know, when they're, they're in the cave of the, the cave and it says on the wall and it's like, it's like the castle of, uh, the castle. And then one of the guys like, perhaps he was dictating. I always think about that because the Apostle Paul dictated all of his letters, you know, just, just every time. Every time I think perhaps he was dictating. They're like, shut up. I'm sorry. The grail can be found in the castle. Uh. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. We're, all right. And then he, he gives this He gives this last thing. Is God's going to strengthen you by his gospel. I love that. The gospel strengthens us. It makes us stronger. That's good. And the teaching, the preaching of Jesus. The preaching of Jesus. That doesn't mean the stuff Jesus preached, although it does mean that. It means we are preaching about Jesus, and that's good. It does more than teach. It gives us strength. Um, this mystery that's been you know, out there for ages and generations, but it's now been disclosed to the saints. All right, we're going to finish here.